Hola mi gente, what up my people, my name is Pastor Rich Colon, I'm the lead pastor here at Santos Church, broadcasting to you live from Southwest Detroit, Michigan. Wherever you're listening from, I'm glad that you are listening. This podcast is meant to do one of two things, and that is either bring you our message content or it's content that we thought would enrich our message content. We'll have more information at the end of this episode on how you can get connected with us either in person, online, or on social media. But for now, thanks for listening to this podcast. Gracias para escuchando esto podcast. And let's get into it. Vamos. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into part two of our four-part series called Saints. Uh, If you were with us in person last week or if you were able to catch last week's podcast episode, then you know why we are calling this series Saints. And it's called that just because the name of the church, Santos Church, is kind of like Spanglish, right? So Santos es en Español, para en Inglés, it would be Saints Church, right? So in, in Spanish, Saints is Santos, and in English, Santos is Saints. And so we're basically talking about the four values that we think make a saint, a saint. What is a saint? It's a believer. It's a follower of Jesus Christ. And so these are the four values uh, that we are upholding for the church and so and for believers, right? And so um, week one was all about faith. If you missed that, like I said, there's a podcast episode on that. Go back and listen to that wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, but we are going to jump right into part two. And so this week we are talking about community. Now, when you hear the word community, you might automatically think of the neighborhood you live in, the subdivision you live in, uh, the cultural context that you live in or or among. But I don't I don't necessarily mean that for this. We will get to content like that and about those things later on. But for this week, what we're talking about is actually community, right? Like communing with others, right? Being in union or unity or unison with others, right? And so as I'm thinking about and talking about community, um, I I think it's easy for us to start to um, think about being around other people, hanging out with others, being in large groups, and we start to uh, typecast ourselves, right? Like you hear people just say, I'm an introvert, or I'm an extrovert, or I'm an extroverted introvert, or, you know, some combination of these things, um, because we, we typically classify ourselves or categorize ourselves as uh, people who are good at being around other people or people who are better at being alone, right? Me, myself, I actually tend to be an introvert. I'm great at being around people. I love being in large, large groups of people, hanging out. Um, I was, you know, in high school, I was the class clown. I love to entertain people and make jokes and all that kind of stuff. But I'm actually an introvert uh, because I recharge by being alone. That's that's kind of how they uh, qualify what's an introvert or what's an extrovert. An extrovert um, recharges and feels refreshed by being around others. Introverts get that by being alone, right? And so I'm naturally an introvert. I love going for long walks by myself. I'll listen to an audio book. I'll listen to some music. Uh, I'll go read a book. I'll draw. I'll do different things just to kind of get alone with my thoughts or even to pray or to meditate, right? Like, don't get me wrong. Like I said, I really enjoy being around people. But I would say I'm actually good at being alone. I look forward to times that my wife is, uh, you know, has like a play date with the kids or she takes the kids to the park and I can hang out, you know, alone or, you know, cook some food while I'm playing salsa music in the kitchen or, um, you know, that I get to just kind of veg out and watch my favorite show and, and uh, you know, just kind of like spend some time in, in quiet or in solace by myself. 
Um, and I'm, I'm good at those things. And I think there's people that would say, yeah, I'm good at that. Or no, nah, that does not sound good to me at all. My wife is an extrovert. She is the opposite is true. She likes to do all those things, but she likes to do them with as many people as possible. We live in a day and time, though, where I think people more and more, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, people are priding themselves more and more on how good they are at being alone or doing things uh, individually, right? And this isn't always bad. Like, we do need to accept some form of responsibility that that is <clears throat> unique to ourselves or our situation or our job role or as a parent, whatever that is, right? It's not always bad. But what I'm speaking of more is, is broad. It's culturally where we are right now. We live in a day and time where people are good and we actually pride ourselves on knowing more, doing more, producing more, gaining more, all the while requiring less, we, we need more resources, we need more time, we need more opportunities, right? We need more visibility, we need people to like or share our stuff, right? We live in the time of the social media influencer where it's all predicated on likes, views, shares, you know, reposts, all these different things. And so we, we need, to some extent, people to do something for us, but we, what we pride ourselves on needing less of is human interaction, right? Like I can get this done by myself. I don't need your help. I don't need people to come around me. I'm self-made. I got myself here, right? We hear this vernacular a lot, this verbiage a lot. Like I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps, right? Like we live in a time where people pride themselves on that. I mean, think about it. Like we, we sit around tables with our families and we, we struggle sometimes to have non-awkward conversations because we're so used to being locked in on our phone screen, right? Or we hang out with friends and maybe we ask a question and our friend doesn't hear us or doesn't answer us. And we're like, hey, yo, hey, like over here, look at me, like tune out from the phone real quick and look at me. Like we live in a time where it is completely normal and it's standard to be distracted almost all the time by something that is going on. I like what Pastor Rich Velotis from New York City says. He says it like this. In his book, The Deeply Formed Life, he says, we live in the most connected time in history, but we as people have never been so lonely. So why is that? This is because you and I were made for community, not just the kind that you get from going bowling with some friends or playing dominoes with the amigos, right? Like it's not, it's not just that, it's, it's deeper than that. We were meant for a community to, that is God-centered, Holy Spirit-driven community that draws us into two things. If it's true community, it draws us into deeper relationship with God and it draws us into deeper relationship with each other. And so all I want to do today is highlight two passages for you, for us, uh, that, that I think show this and put this on display really, really well. This idea of true community being rooted in God and being rooted in others. And so if you're following along, if you have uh, your phone or an app, or if you're somewhere safe where you can open one of those things, or maybe you just want to, you know, take this down for later, um, the verses that I want to share with you, we're first going to be in the book of 1 John chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. And John wrote this, so it's the same John that wrote the book of John, so this is a continuation of that, right? And John actually wrote this with the intention of sharing with believers 
how to find true union with God. And so when John wrote this, what he is literally doing is laying out for us the way that we are intended to find union, communion, communion, community with God. And so remember that as we read these verses right here, this is how John appeals to us to find that community with God. If you're following along, we're going to be in 1 John, like I said, starting in chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, and this is what it says. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. So right away, right there in the first sentence, we write this to tell you what we've seen and heard, so that way you can be in fellowship with us. And so you know that our fellowship is with God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. So right there, boom, right away. We are doing this so that way you can draw into community with us. And you should also know that if you're in community with us, we are in community with God and Jesus Christ. Right there, straight out the gate. Verse 4, we write this to make our joy complete. This is the message that we have heard from Him and declare to you. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But check this out, verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So if we walk in the light as he is in the light, if we're doing what he is doing, if we're walking in a way that Jesus is walking, then, then this is what's going to happen. We will have fellowship with one another. If we are walking in step, in community with him, then we will have community with one another. Right there. So you have this like, this 50-50, this balance of what community is. We're in step and we're in community, in relationship with God in Jesus Christ. And because of those things, we are in fellowship, community with one another. If we walk in the light, truly, John says, this is how you find community with God, union with God, is, is if you are in fellowship with us, we're in fellowship with God. And if we're walking in the light as Jesus is walking in the light, then we are in fellowship with one another. So, so that's what this is all about right there. Remember, John's intent was to tell believers how to find community, union with God, right? And so in that, he says, if, if this is to be done, then we are walking with God and we are walking and having fellowship with one another. The next passage that I think highlights this really well, incredibly well, is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Now, some people debate on who wrote who wrote Hebrews. Um, you know, I've heard it said that they believe Luke wrote Hebrews. Some people disagree with that. Whatever the case, the intention of writing Hebrews for the author was to encourage struggling believers. So if you're going through something, right, they're going through a doubt. They're going through hard time, hardship. They're encountering uh, challenges or struggles, right, individually, but also as a body. He, whoever the author is, wrote this to encourage them to press on, to keep going. And this was the encouragement that the author decided to write, write, starting in chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Verse 19, it says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, 
We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. This is a reference to the the old way of doing things, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, right? They used to have a high priest who had a rope tied around his ankle that would go into what they called the most holy place or the holy of holies. This is where the spirit of God dwelled. And so right away, the author of Hebrews is making this comparison to the Holy of Holies and how back in the day there used to only be one that could go into God's presence. But in verse 20, it says this, but by his death, Jesus opened a new life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest, Jesus, who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Now let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. 25, and let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but let us encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So the writer paints this, this picture, this parallel that, yeah, back in the day, there used to be like one dude that had, that had the, the privilege, the ability to go into the most holy place with God's presence. But now because Jesus, Jesus tore open that curtain and now we can run into that most sacred place, the place where God's spirit is, the, God, the place where God literally dwells, his presence is. And you and I have access to that now. Because of Jesus. So, so our community with God is not predicated on a high priest or, or, or a man that can go in and make intercession for us. We don't need that anymore because Jesus makes intercession for us. Jesus brings us right in to the very presence of God himself. And because of that, we have our own communion with the presence of God, community, fellowship with God. And then in verse 24, so let us think of ways. Let us get creative. Let's get imaginative in ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect meeting together since we have community with the presence of God now. Let us not neglect having community together. So you see this laid out very very openly, very like it's right there. It's obvious. The writers are, are, are urging us and, and encouraging us to find true community, union with God himself. And he says, through that, we find community with God, but that encourages our community with each other. And because now we're not isolated or, or separated from the, holy, the most holy place, the presence of God, we have access, direct access to it, direct community with God. Now let us be encouraged by that and encourage each other. Get creative and think of ways to motivate each other now to good works, to acts of love, to, to finding others and inviting them into this community as well. That's what this is all about. 
Jesus, like we see in some parts of scripture where Jesus himself gives kind of this like either or example of, of belief, right? Throughout the faith, he says things like, if you claim to know the father, yet you do not know me, then you don't know either, either the father or me, you know, neither of us. And likewise, if you claim to know me, but don't know my father who is in heaven, then you don't know either of us. Like we, we come together, we're a pair, we're inseparable. And I feel like I, I see the same kind of pattern here, like God saying, hey, if you claim to, to be in community with me, but you neglect your fellow person, you, you neglect community with others, then you don't really have true community at all. And likewise, if you entertain community with other people, but you fail to grow in community and relationship with me, then you don't have true community at all. Because it's not an either or, it is both that define what true Holy Spirit driven community is. If you're like me, it's so easy to be tempted to isolate yourself. And, and, and it feels innocent, and a lot of times it is innocent, like in our intentions, right? Just curl up with a book, block the world out, binge watch your favorite TV show, and just turn your phone on silent when the homies start texting or calling, right? Don't get caught up in, in all the, like, the, the, the planning stuff and all the hassle of trying to find somewhere to eat and meet up and do all these different things, right? Like, it's just easier if I, if I make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and just chill on the couch for the night and just check out this TV show, right? Like it, it, it starts those ways, but it's so tempting to just do that and to, and to make that what we do. And that becomes habitual. And before we know it, we've blocked out people and we've blocked out God. We have to resist the urge to take pride in operating solely onto ourselves of priding ourselves on not needing, not needing help from others, not needing accountability, not needing creative collaboration, not needing contribution from others, not needing wisdom from those around us or support from those around us. This might be the way of the culture, right? But this is not the way of God's culture. That's not kingdom culture. Kingdom culture says we were made for community with God and for community with others. And so we need to find ways to creatively welcome both. In short, we need to be about what Jesus was about. And all through scripture, we see Jesus literally modeling, being about the father's work, the father's, right? Like I am here because I'm about my father's business. I'm doing the work of my father who is in heaven, right? But then we see Jesus engage people in a way that, that, that we've never seen before, especially from a king, especially from, from God, right? From what people think God should be. Jesus saying, no, let the children come to me. Jesus engaging the tax collector. Jesus engaging the woman caught in adultery, the woman at the well. Jesus engaging the Roman soldiers. Jesus engaging Nicodemus, the Pharisee, right? Like we see Jesus being about God, but then being about engaging people, community with God and community with people. And if Jesus is about this, then, then we need to be about this. What does this require from us? This requires us to check ourselves. We have to take an inventory of ourselves and be honest with what is absent. One of my first jobs, I worked at CVS Pharmacy, uh, and I worked in the photo lab, 
And uh, what I did there was back in the day was when I was a teenager and uh, people still, I guess, they thought people still had like overhead projectors or, you know, film projectors at home where they could put the little slides of film in and like project the pictures on the wall. This is before like casting, right? And like Chromecast or Apple TV or whatever. Some of you guys listening to this know what I'm talking about. You used to get your, your photos developed in an, and it would come to you in an envelope and there was a little sleeve in the envelope that had your like film reels. And so we used to have to cut those film reels and put them in the envelope. And I actually got moved from the photo lab because I, I was cutting film reel, you know, too quick all the time. And I would just cut people's pictures in half and I never got in trouble, but they were like, Hey man, maybe you should just go like stock shelves because you're kind of careless with the film. Right. And so as I'm stocking the shelves, it really only consisted of one thing. I had to make sure that the shelves were full of the things that they needed to have out. And so what I had to do is I had to go find all the empty spots where there was not enough product on the shelf and I'd have to take an inventory of what was missing and then I'd have to go to the stock room to get it and to come out with it and fill the spaces. Faith requires you and I to do the same thing. We have to take an inventory of our lives, an inventory of our spiritual lives. And wherever there is gaps on the shelf, we have to go to the stock room, right? Where's the stock room for us? God's presence. We have to go to the source, to God's presence, and we have to get what is missing and we have to fill in the gaps. But the stock from God's source and so we have to take an inventory. We have to be honest with ourselves and say, hey, am I lacking in community with others? Am I blocking people out? Scripture says to be creative and find ways to encourage each other and to meet together. But am I being more creative finding ways to avoid people? Because if so, I got I to gotta fill that gap. Am, am I lacking in my community with God? Am I finding ways and excuses or am I just getting distracted looking at different memes or different videos or getting caught up in my recommended views or whatever it is and, and I'm just not prioritizing community with God? And do I need to fill that gap with God's presence more? We gotta be honest about this with ourselves. We also have to be careful not to justify the absence of one with the presence of the other. We can't say, oh, you know, I'm really great at like loving people and I accept all people and I welcome all people and I, and I have all my different kinds of friends, no matter what they believe, over for dinner. And so, you know, I'm doing what God would have me do, right? Like I, I just love people. And if, and if Jesus is real, I'm, I'm, I'm just loving people. I'm being a good person. So he wouldn't be mad at me, right? Like I can't, I, right? We can't do this. We can't justify our lack of relationship with God because we have a, a great relationship with people or a great eye for caring for people. And likewise, I've met many believers who justify poor treatment of others with, with their godliness or their pursuit of holiness, right? Like I just spent eight hours a day in my prayer closet. I'm, I'm in my war room. I'm making inter, intercession. I'm praying for, for healing for my family, for these babies out here, right? I sponsored this many compassion kids this, this month, right? Like I'm pursuing holiness. I'm, I'm pursuing righteousness. But then when we encounter people in the store or in traffic or on social media, we don't know how to talk to them. We don't know how to treat them. We don't know how to offer grace or forgiveness. And we can't justify that action 
with the fact that we might have a great prayer life. If you have a great prayer life, maybe maybe I would encourage you, if you have if you have a great prayer life, the evidence of that would be how you interact with people that aren't Jesus. And for the other side, I would say, if you have a great relationship with others and you value people, let that encourage you to value relationship with the one who created people and created you and created you for relationship with those people. They're not, they're not isolated. They're not separate. They're not segregated. One should fuel the other. The core of the Christian life is this. Dwelling with Jesus and growing together. God draws us into relationship with himself. And as a byproduct, he uses that relationship to flourish our relationships with each other. Our desire for community with others is a direct reflection of our present community with God. I'll say that one more time. Our desire the level that we value and desire being in community with other people can be can be seen as a direct reflection of our present community with God. So what inventory do you need to take today? What inventory do I need to take today? I got to ask myself because God draws us into community. God wants to be known by us and he wants to know us fully and deeply. Not in a way where he, he already knows us better than anybody else, right? He's the creator, but he wants us to, to, to go willfully into this relationship where we just come to him and we're, we're laying our feelings out before him as our loving father, right? Like he, he wants to know us and be known by us. And likewise, he wants us to experience that, wants us to experience that kind of deep and meaningful and vibrant relationship with people around us. This is the joy and the blessing of, of what God created us for in the human experience is community with him and community with others. And so if we're lacking either side of that relationship, let us return to the source, return to the stockroom and take inventory and fill the gaps in our lives, wherever they may be. So for you today, I encourage you in that. As you're listening to this, I pray that, that when this is over, you would just take a few minutes, maybe turn on the latest Maverick City song that you're vibing to or whatever it is, and just take a few minutes. Tell God, God, I need you to, to encourage me in my love for others. Or God, it's been a while since I've actually talked to you and I need you to refresh me. Create in me the desire to spend time with you, time in your word, time praying and worshiping and meditating on you in your presence. But whatever it is, don't wait. I believe God has called this church, called his church in this time, in this place, to have a sense of urgency. And so would you do that today? I invite you to do that today. Let's have a sense of urgency to do the things that God created us for. Let me pray for you. Dear Jesus, I love you, God, and I thank you for the fact that you are so good, that you've called us into relationship with you to, to know you and be known by you fully, but then, God, that you use our relationship with you to fuel and flourish our relationship with others so that we get this holistic experience, human experience of being known and knowing God, our creator, our savior, but then also 
knowing and being known and loved by others. The value, the treasure of relationship. Jesus, I thank you that you value relationship so much that you created us for it with you and with others. Help us to seek that. And wherever there's a lack, I pray that you help us to fill those things by the power of your Holy Spirit with more of you and more meaningful relationship with those around us. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to the Santos Church Podcast. We hope that you were blessed by what you heard today and that it moves you towards action and greater faith in Jesus. If you'd like to connect with us more, you can find us online at santoschurch.org. And that's also a great place to give if you'd like to contribute to the ministry and our mission here in Southwest Detroit. If you're on Instagram, you can connect with us at Santos Detroit or Facebook, and it's facebook.com slash Santos Church Detroit. If you find yourself in the Detroit area, we'd love to have you in person Sunday mornings at 11, 1953 Military Street. Either way, hablamos pronto. We'll talk to you soon.